What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to the RBI Podcast. My name is Richie. I am your host. Uh, it's been a minute, and I really apologize for that. I've had a lot going on in my life. I'm not going to make any excuses, but, you know, had a new opportunity come about and took the opportunity, was busy with that and other things as well. So I appreciate you guys coming back and listening and getting ready for the season. I have some updates on this podcast, how we're going to be going forward with it. And how it's going to look for the regular season. I'm going to start my regular season schedule next week. So basically what we're going to do. I'll put this on my platforms as well. Right now it's Thursday, Friday. Like tentatively. Um, But starting next week. Meaning this Wednesday. This Monday coming up. It's going to be every Monday. Every Friday. That's what my plan is. Because I figured we get the weekend series. And we get the the, the weekday series. And then you go from there. So. I'm just going to, you know, regular season, you know how it works. Like, it's usually Monday to Wednesday or Thursday and then weekend series. So, that's why I laid it out that way. Same time, 7 a.m. It'll be out. I'll recap all the games, big stories, you know, the deal with this podcast, how it works. And, like always, follow the links below at RBI Pod. And just, I really appreciate it. Uh, today, we got World Baseball Classic, good or bad. I think we know what we're going to talk about today. I'm going to go over that. Some predictions for the rest of the World Baseball Classic. Not a lot of MLB talk today, only for the fact that spring training right now is kind of boring. And again, my apologies, I missed a lot of topics. I missed like the Manny Machado extension, Corbin Carroll extension, Gavin Lux injury, that stunk. Um, We're going to talk about another injury today, obviously. Uh, Other things as well, so I'm sorry about that, but I'm back. You'll get this one Saturday, then Monday, Friday, Monday, Friday, till November. And I promise you that, I really do. And I appreciate you guys. And let's get right started with talking about World Baseball Classic. Is it good or bad? The other night, um, Puerto Rico played Dominican Republic. And Puerto Rico won. Edwin Diaz got the save. Mets closer Edwin Diaz. So you know how I would feel, uh, how I feel about this. It, uh, It stinks because Edwin Diaz is the best closer in baseball. And the fact that he injured it celebrating... Honestly, kind of makes it worse. But this is what I'm going to get into. Is it good or bad? I've seen a lot of things on Twitter. I'm not... I don't really have a side on this. I kind of I kind of get both sides, but I want you guys to obviously hear me out. But what Edwin Diaz did is a freak thing, and I do not blame Mets fans for being upset. I was upset. Like, just because... I, I wasn't upset that, like, oh, how dare you go to the World Baseball Classic? No, that's not what I'm getting at. I was upset because the season hasn't even started yet. The Mets are in a World Series or bust type season, and one of our best players got hurt, and it wasn't even from the game. And that made it so like frustrating. And seeing him, like you're hoping he like sprained his knee or something like that, but you knew it was bad right away. Couldn't even put weight on it. And then like tonight, like Brandon Nimmo gets hurt, but we'll probably have a, a verdict on that tomorrow uh but it's looking more like optimistic like he was able to walk on it was, he seemed okay but they're getting imaging just in case uh, i'm not a doctor so i'm not going to assume but let's hope <laughs> as Mets fans the world baseball classic i spoke about this there's no perfect time to do this because november no one's going to play march is early because the season hasn't even started yet guys are still kind of cold still getting loose warmed up my only thing is something like this even getting hurt in a game it happens, like, baseball injuries happen, and it stinks because, like, I know people want to blame the World Baseball Classic because the teams are paying you, and but 
you like it's your right to go like i'm i don't know how the clauses work if you can't um if for diaz's case it wasn't even like he was throwing like he was celebrating someone i think someone stepped on him like it was something that simple and I, he tore his patellar i believe i think it's eight month injury it could be less but it's a good assumption he's not going to be playing this year I don't like the people, though, that are saying, cancel it, it's worthless, it's this, it's that, because I feel like the reason why, like, the Team USA, like, it always lags behind is because the best players don't always go, and I'm also in the boat, I don't care if you go or not, like, I'm not gonna be like, oh, Justin Verlander didn't go, or oh, Corbin Burns didn't go, like, oh, why didn't you go, like, or, like, even, like, some guys in, like, other countries, uh, like, they, they usually go because it's, like, a prideful thing for them. And you have to look at it this way. Major League Baseball, 29 of the 30 teams are from USA. So we get to see these guys all year round. We get to see these guys in a league, in an American baseball league all year round. These other sports don't get the type of, these other sports, excuse me. These other countries, their professional leagues, like the KBO, uh, like professional leagues in like Mexico, Venezuela, Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, all these countries they don't get the national or international attention that Major League Baseball gets. So this tournament is the one time that they get that attention. That's why, like, I've noticed the American, like, the fans of American, the USA, or USA fans, American fans, seem to be more likely to not love this tournament because we're used to seeing attentive baseball all year round and national attention. These other countries don't get that. Like, Shohei Otani is a monster in, in Major League Baseball. He is a god in Japan. And if you go to that country, like, half the country is watching Japan. Like, the whole country's around you. And I saw that they asked a couple players, World Baseball Classic or World Series. It's tough timing to ask that question. They're during the World Baseball Classic right now, so I don't take too much into that account. But at the same time, like, there is something to pride for your country there is something to playing for with the stars and stripes on your chest or for the japanese logo on your uh, japanese uh flag on your chest or the you know puerto rican flag or the mexican flag or great britain israel netherlands like all these italy like all these i'm sorry if i missed one but it's a prideful thing and it's a proud thing to do and that's why i don't argue these guys passions i don't um then there's the argument they're not getting paid by these teams, or so why should they go and risk it? You can get hurt doing anything, and I'm not saying like there's more risk obviously to doing this because there is, but you can get hurt in spring training too. Like you can get hurt running the bases, you can get hurt jumping up and down, you can get hurt getting hit by a pitch. Those things can happen in spring training, and for some of these guys, like. There's only one there's one example from Team USA that I'm going to give on who I don't think should have went, but we'll get to that in a second. Overall, my take on this is the Edwin Diaz injury is crushing, obviously. For the Mets, for baseball, the whole Narcos Trumpets was electric for baseball last year. I don't think people realize the impact that that had on pop culture, let alone baseball. And it stinks. That could have, if that happened in spring training, it would have stunk just as bad. And, but I also think the World Baseball Classic has been like a major, major, like demographic wise and like numbers wise, at a major success. 
guys guys might still get hurt like we don't know there's still a couple games left and it's scary like as a Met fan I'm crossing my fingers that they, they all come back like healthy and like Alonzo McNeil and I think um now left is Escobar I think those are the only three left for the Mets I'm hoping they come back healthy I'm hoping everyone comes back healthy you think the Angels don't want Trout and Otani back healthy obviously and it just it's been such a good product and like fun baseball and like I, I spoke about this last time playoff baseball in March it's a good precursor for the season we're going to have and all these different rules and stuff like that getting into play. We're going to see these stars on like a different level. Is a random May game against like some random two random teams going to have the same impact as these games? No, because these are playoff games. But the playoffs, you see that intensity. You see it. And I just don't think it's fair to just blame the World Baseball Classic for this specific like catastrophic injury also freak injury because like i said jumping up and down he his stuff looked great and it stinks it really does and to get into that now the diaz injury it um it crushes the mets don't think they're screwed if they if brandon nimmo's out we'll, we'll see tomorrow you'll probably be listening to this and this might mean nothing to you but if brandon nimmo's out for like probably the season or like a while not probably the season, but if he's out for the season or a while, the Mets' chances of being a really good team are plummeting because now you lost your center fielder for a long period of time and your star closer, who's the best closer in baseball. And you can't, you you can't, you can only afford so many losses, especially when the Mets are kind of thin at center field. But if Nimmo comes back okay and he just has like an ankle sprain and he'll be fine by March thirtieth, then I think the Mets will be able to figure out the bullpen. They have David Robertson. Who is a closer, and I'm not gonna sound like a like a Joe optimist and say, um, "Oh, we're fine with Robertson." Like, no, Edwin Diaz is the best closer in baseball. We're going to miss him. They're going to miss him. But David Robertson is a very viable closer. They have Brooks Raley. They have Adam Adovino. They have options to cover the innings. You just don't have that electricity. You don't have that that safety. Almost like he's gonna pick us up and just dot everyone up and look look good doing it too. So that like I it stinks, and but I just don't I really don't like that they bring the bring the World Baseball Classic down with this because it's been such a good product and it's only like like I said half Japan was watching it. Marlins Park is sold out. When was the last time we saw that happen? And it's just not fair to bring it down because of an injury that's catastrophic. I know, like I said, guys can still get hurt now, but we we won't know obviously until things end. Um, the one, the one thing I will say, I'm going to give a suggestion. People like say like March isn't good. November's not good. It's every four years. This, this, uh, tournament in baseball, we have the all-star break, like every other league. I think a good solution for this would be every four years, instead of taking a week break, take a two week break. Now you'd have to figure out like all-star weekend or world baseball classic. If you want to not have an all-star team every four years. That's up to Manfred and all the guys up there. I don't know. But you do that. This, this I think it takes two weeks around. So you, you're you off for two weeks. You would have to start the season earlier or end it later, which would be the only weird thing. But you'd have warm players who are playing meaningful baseball before and after that. So it's not like you're completely worn down. It's not like you're completely new and cold and not stretched out yet. So you get a good product. 
the only thing would be the two-week thing and the guys that aren't playing, that's a long break. So that would be the only thing. That would be my my pitch is that, like, whenever the All-Star break is, that just two weeks, just World Baseball Classic. Like, treat it like the Olympics with hockey. Or um, I don't really know how soccer works with it. I'm not the biggest soccer fan, so I'm not going to try to comment on it. But I use the idea of the hockey Olympics. Like, it's kind of similar to that. It's the same time t- timetable or time period for that, just like the World Baseball Classic. You put it in the middle, have a competition, we'll see what happens. So that's my take on that. And let me know in the comments what you would do. Do you like the World Baseball Classic? Do you hate the World Baseball Classic? Let me know. And, uh, yep, so now let's get to some predictions. So now that we're done talking about, like, the World Baseball Classic and do you like it, do you hate it, I'm going to do some predictions. Um, we have one quarterfinal game left and then the two semis and the finals. Oh, by the way, like, the, the podcast that comes out Monday is probably going to be mostly a preview of uh, of the um, the finals. That's Tuesday. We're going to do a preview and then the X-Factors. i got to catch up with those. We are doing the NL West today, by the way. And I'm going to also talk about some prospects and who should be called up. But for now, World Baseball Classic predictions before we get any further. Right now, I think it's USA. They have to play Venezuela, who is loaded. Um, Puerto Rico lost. So, and then, I believe, yeah. And then USA plays Venezuela. And now Mexico is playing Japan. And the winner of USA-Venezuela plays Cuba. I believe, yeah. So... Okay, so I'm just fact-checking myself here. Yeah, Mexico is playing Japan, and Cuba plays the winner of USA-Venezuela. So we're going to start with the USA and Venezuela game. I love Team USA because I'm um, USA-born. But Venezuela is really good. This is a tough game. Uh, I'm going to... You know, I'm going to be a little biased here, but I'm taking Team USA... Like, Venezuela's lower. They have Altuve, Acuna, uh, Andres Jimenez, Salvi Perez, Anthony Santander is raking. Uh, I'm not sure who's pitching for them, but I just, I, I like the USA lineup, and I think they're starting to click. Mike Trout's red hot, and if the best player in baseball is red hot, I'll give my chances. Lance Lynn's pitching, who pitched really well already in this tournament, and he could do it again. And then you got like Arenado, you got Goldschmidt, you got Alonzo, you got McNeil, you got Turner, Betts. The list goes on and on and on. And I think that it's going to overwhelm Venezuela. I think if USA gets that to a, a little bit of a lead, they might falter. So I'm going to go America here. So America is going to be playing Cuba in the semifinals. But before that, we're going to go to the other side, Japan versus Mexico. I think this is where the the Mexico run ends. Mexico's had a really good run. They've had a lot of good, good wins. Like they beat the USA. They've beaten Puerto Rico. They they got they beat um and then they, yeah obviously they won three and one in their pool. Um, but I think Japan is so overpowering and so dominant. And I am liking the kid uh, Masataka Yoshida from the Red Sox more and more every day. He looks like a really good player. Obviously Otani and Darvish and then. A lot of guys that aren't even in the major leagues. This is what I'm talking about. Like, these guys are phenomenons in Japan, but we've never heard of them here. And they're just so dominant. And they dominated their pool. Um, they made everyone look bad, to be honest. So Japan gets this win. And then um, I have USA versus Cuba. I think USA wins this game comfortably. Cuba, they went 2-2. Two and two. 
Um, they didn't really have the toughest quarterfinal. They played Australia. Um, props to like teams like Australia and Italy for making it to this this far, as well as like Great Britain got a win. Um, Nicaragua. I don't know if you heard about that story. The the pitcher he um, struck out. I believe it was Julio Rodriguez, Manny Machado, and I think Devers. Don't quote me, but it was three all stars. And he got a contract from the Tigers the next day. I think the kid's 19 years old. Like, those are the stories that are pretty cool about this tournament. And then the kid from Canada, 19. Like, I know he didn't pitch well, but just to get up there and face those guys at 19 years old is something I don't think I'd be able to do at 19. And, like, just mentally, maturity-wise, like, that's insane and good for him, good for them, good just being, like, being being able to compete on such a high stage at such a young age, young age is so cool to me. But... So I think yeah, I think Cuba kind of snuck into the tournament round, tournament part of this um, uh, World Baseball Classic. But I think USA is a better team; they'll win this game, and then they face off against Japan, which you can't tell me there will be nothing more box office than Shohei Otani versus Mike Trout with the game on the line. Oh, if there is a baseball god, he will let us see that. That will be insane. Ah. Uh, I'm going to lean Japan here. J- Japan looks so dominant, and USA hasn't really looked like the dominant self we thought they were going to be. And I think a lot of that falls on the pitching being a little underwhelming. So I'm going to go Japan here. I think Otani and Darvish, that too, is better than Merrill Kelly and Lance Lynn. Or I think Brady Singer should be starting a game, but it is what it is. I know pitch counts are a little weird. So yeah, Japan is going to be my World Baseball Classic champion. But I'm going to preview the actual final that um, on Monday, like more in-depth with everything. If it ends up being USA-Japan, we'll pivot. But for now, Japan is the World Baseball Classic champion in my predictions. And yep, that's uh, that's what I got for the World Baseball Classic today. But before we get into more Major League Baseball stuff, I just want to add, I spoke about before one player I thought on World Baseball on the USA that shouldn't be on the team is Bobby Wood Jr., and hear me out. I've heard a lot of podcasts and a lot of people talk about like the experience he's getting there, and I get it; it's cool. Bobby Wood Jr. is in his what second major league camp as like a major league base, like a professional major league baseball player, and he's not getting any at bats for the team USA. He's not playing a lot, and these are valuable at bats he could be getting with the Royals. A guy like Trey Turner, a guy like Mookie Betts has been around the block a couple times. He knows how spring training works. He knows how to get himself ready. He knows how to turn the switch on. Bobby Wood Jr. is still learning that. And him sitting there not playing is not really doing much for him. Like, I, I, I get being on Team USA is cool and all, and really cool, but he has to go back to Can- the Kansas City Royals after this, and he is going to go back with two weeks of... Like, obviously, they take batting practice, stuff like that. But he's going back to two weeks of maybe less than 10 at-bats. When, if he he's probably playing every other day there, getting three, four a day, or two, three a day, we'll say. That's like 10 at-bats in four games. Four games. So he'd probably have 20, 20. He'd probably have double, maybe triple the at-bats if he was with the Royals camp. The intensity, obviously, I get it. I know he got a, I think he got a hit in the first game for the, the um, team USA, but... I just feel like for his, like, he's like the, the perfect storm of, he's so young, and he's not playing. If he was playing, I wouldn't care. Like, Julio Rodriguez is playing, so, like, he played with Dominican. Like, he was a starter, so it doesn't count. 
he's not playing. He's blocked by Tim Anderson, Trey Turner, and uh, even like the other sides in the infield, like Jeff McNeil, Nolan Arenado. I just feel like he's not getting much out of personally for him, unless he truly wanted to be there and just be on the team, then go ahead. I'm not stopping you, but I don't know. I just feel like he's losing a little bit of value with like his like not getting at bats in like live game situations, but we'll see. He's a he's a heck of a player, heck of a prospect, and I think he's gonna have a big year for the Royals. I don't know if the Royals are going to be good, but I think he's going to have a big year. So I want to talk about some prospects today that um have been absolutely demolishing the baseball in in spring training that I think should make the their major league teams. I got I think three guys. Yeah, I got three guys that stuck out to me. There's gonna be more obviously, but. The guys that stuck out to me, Brett Beatty, yes, a little biased. So Brett Beatty, Anthony Volpe, Jordan Walker. Those are the three guys that have really stuck out to me. I was going to say Corbin Carroll too, but he just got a fat extension, so I think he's going to be in the on the Major League team. Brett Beatty, like Eduardo Escobar has been with Team Venezuela, so he's not playing for the Mets right now. And Beatty's getting all the at-bats, and he's like top three in every offensive category, except for home runs. But... He's earning the right to be on this team. Like, he's hit his way onto the team. His position, who knows? But Brett Beatty, if he's an average defender, so is Eduardo Escobar. So I would rather take the ceiling of Beatty. The worst thing you do is go back to Escobar if he's not playing well. Escobar's a seasoned vet. He knows what he's doing. He can even DH if you need him to. You can have him and Escobar, not him and Escobar, him and Volgoback be the lefty-righty DH. And that would be like a perfect mix, especially if Beatty's hitting well. And he just he's hitting way too well to leave him off this roster. And I just don't see a world where he's not on the roster. Now we'll see with Nimmo. Is, is Beatty going to go to left and kind of go to center? We'll see. But as of right now, as it stands, I think Brett Beatty should be the opening day third baseman. But it's probably not going to lean that way. And I don't think if he's not starting, he's not going to be on the opening day roster. But in my opinion, he's earned it. And so that, I think he should be up. Second guy is Jordan Walker. This is a given to me. I thought he was out for a while because he had a shoulder strain, and that usually takes a while, but I think it was just like a precautionary thing. Dude hits the ball really hard, and the Cardinals have a gaping hole at DH, especially with Pujols gone now. You add him into that lineup with Arenado, Goldschmidt, O'Neal, Carlson, Donovan Edmond, all those guys. Not Donovan Edmond, but like Brandon Donovan, Tommy Edmond, Lars Nupar even, and... You have a really good team, and he adds that extra thump that I, I don't think the Cardinals need, but it's not going to hurt, and he deserves to be on this roster, and there's an open spot for him. He doesn't really have a position available because I think he's a third baseman, and Arenado plays third. So you put him at DH, let him hit, let him rake. He's still very hard. <laughs> let him hit. The last guy I want to talk about is, uh, I think, the number one prospect or number two prospect in baseball, Anthony Volpe. The Yankees, it might not be him playing shortstop, but it's not going to be IKF. They moved him to more a utility role. They've also lost Harrison Bader for eight weeks, which is concerning. But So they're going to put IKF in center, probably put Judge in center as well, and move guys around. But it looks like it's going to be Oswald Peraza or Anthony Volpe at shortstop. Volpe's kind of earned it. like, And he's not just hitting well, which... That's the one thing that sticks out to a lot of fans. He runs the bases very well. He plays very good defense. He's an athlete. He's a do-it-all player. I think that's the role he's going to have on the Yankees. He's not going to be a superstar yet. He could be, but his floor is high because he does everything well. 
If he's not hitting well, he'll give you good defense. If he's not um, if he's not hitting well, he'll run the base as well. If it's a little bit of fielding laps, he'll he'll do other things well. And that's so important for a young guy because it gives you a floor and gives you a reason to be on the major league roster before you really take that jump. So those are the three guys I'm going to talk about. And then obviously, like I said, Corbin Carroll just got a big extension. I truly think he can take that Julio Rodriguez jump. I don't want to say jump, but that like, like jump the team almost and be such a dominant player, maybe win rookie of the year and MVP votes even if they do well. So yeah, those are the three guys. And then plus one with Corbin Carroll. Okay, to end this podcast, I'm going to do my NL West X-Factors for this year. And then Monday, we're going to do another division, and then Friday another. And then we're going to finish it off. I think we're going to cut it to probably the end of the year, uh, end of the offseason or preseason. So starting off with the San Diego Padres, the Padres have a loaded lineup. I could have easily been lazy and put Fernando Tatis Jr. here, but I'm not going to do that. So I'm going to go with Blake Snell. The Padres pitching is, a, I don't say thin, but they're, they're not that deep. Like, they have Darvish, they have Snell, they have Musgrove, then they have, like, Lugo, Martinez, and Waka. So they have six options, six good options, but after that, it gets kind of thin. So Blake Snell is that, like, he's that seesaw guy. You know Darvish and Musgrove are going to be good. Snell, if he pushes one way, your pitching staff is great. If he goes the other way, you're a little questioning, you're a little question mark. That's how Blake Snell pitches as well. He'll have one start where he goes seven shut, ten strikeouts, another one with four innings, six walks, five runs, three three hits, like something crazy like that. And I think he just really needs to find consistency. I don't know if he can find it. He hasn't found it yet in his career. And that's what's kind of hampered him outside of his Cy Young year. He's a really good pitcher. He's got really good stuff, but usually like location and um, c- control is usually what hurts him. Command usually what hurts him a lot. So Blake Snell... Is the X factor? I just think that you know he can. He's a seesaw. You know, he's going to have to start a playoff game, and if he can't pitch well, who knows? Like he he didn't pitch well against the Mets, but Musgrove and Darvish dominated, and it was a two out of three series. So that's just love math. So Blake Snell, X factor for the San Diego Padres. Next up, I got the Dodgers. The Gavin Lux injury opened up a hole at shortstop. And Miguel Rojas is going to fill that role. But I think a more important player and the guy that kind of got lost in the shuffle last year is Chris Taylor. Chris Taylor is the ultimate utility guy. I think he made an all-star game a couple years ago doing that role. And like I said, he got lost in the shuffle last year. He kind of needs to bounce back now for this team because Freddie Freeman's got hurt his hamstring. So I don't know if he's missing time or not. But then they have Mookie Betts, they have Will Smith. And then like Max Muncy's going to play second. Like, are we sure about that? Miguel Vargas is a rookie playing third. Jason Hayward is kind of on a retract. He's trying to come back. And we don't know about the rest of the roster. Like, they're, they're not the casual, the the Dodgers we know. And so Chris Taylor's got, if he get back to that all-star self, all of a sudden you have an all-star second baseman, an all-star left fielder, an all-star center fielder, an all-star right fielder, even third base as well. So he fills in holes and he, he kind of, you plug him wherever you need him. And last year, that I think that kind of hurt them towards the end of the year that they didn't have that guy, and they're gonna need, they're definitely going to need him this year to do that. Next up, we got the Arizona Diamondbacks. This guy was their best player a couple years ago, but now he ha- he's coming off a down year after an extension. Which, if he can bounce back, it's great. And that's Catal Marte. Catal Marte is similar to Chris Taylor in utility, but he's more of a traditional second baseman center fielder. 
when he's on his, when he's on his game, he's an MVP candidate, and he is a uh, top five to three second baseman in the league. They have, like I said, the young talent with Corbin Carroll, Jake McCarthy, Alec Thomas. They have young guys coming up like Drew Jones and then like Christian Walker, Gabriel Marino. This team's flooded with young talent. And he's kind of like the seasoned vet here, him and Evan Longoria, even though he's a lot younger than Longoria. But Marte is a, does everything well. His injury bug hurts him a little bit, but for the most part, he's a dominant, like not dominant player, but a really good player, a really good athlete. And I really think he can take this team like over the top and make the playoffs. Like I, 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 I'm really high on this Diamondback team for some reason. I don't know why no one else is, but I am. So Cattell Marte is my X factor for the Diamondbacks. Next up, I got the Giants. You can call me biased for this one. You can call me favoriting because he was a Met and he's my favorite player ever. But I got Michael Conforto for the Giants. I was going to go Mitch Hanniger or Joey Bart, but I decided on Conforto based off of offseason events. Aaron Judge got signed. I mean, Mitch Hanniger got signed first, and I was like, okay, like that replaces Judge kind of, or like that's in case we don't get Judge. And then they lost out on Correa as well, and Conforto was like the consolation prize. Giants fans are not happy about that, but Conforto has proven to be a really good hitter, 824 OPS, I believe. OPS, yeah, like 824 OPS, way way league above average hitter, way above average hitter, sorry, excuse me, I'm tripping over my words. He didn't play last year, but he's had a really good spring. I think he's top three in home runs. He's hitting, I believe, over 300, and he just due for a big year, I feel like, because 2021 was not treated well him treat him well, but 2017 to 2020 were really good years, and I feel like he that's the player he is more than that one season. And if he could just stay healthy, and you're gonna play right field every day probably or left field every day, there's a chance he's the best hitter on this team when he's at his best. He's a 30 homer guy. He's probably not going to have the highest average, but he, th- he walks a lot, good eye, gap-to-gap guy, like good fielder. He just He's, an, he's a pretty like all-around good player. And the Giants kind of need a bat. And him and Hanniger are really good options. So I went with him just because of what happened in the offseason and the, the last year he didn't play and all that and how he could be such an X-factor. There you go, X-factor. And really be a thump in the middle of that lineup. So... Michael Conforto is the X-Factor for the Giants. And now last up, we have the Rockies, who I have Chris Bryant. Um, Chris Bryant is... He was on an MVP track, and it's just a shame that injuries got him. He signed with the Rockies. The Rockies aren't really looking to win, it seems like. Their um, owner came out and said that they were trying to go 500, which isn't what you want to really hear from your owner, but, you know, is what it is. Everyone's got different priorities. Chris Bryant, like, won MVP, won Rookie of the Year, won a World Series. So he's seen the glory. He's also seen the downs of barely playing last year because of injuries. But I think he can be an X-Factor. I think he could be something that Rockies fans can cheer about. If he can be the player he is, like, there's no reason he can't get back to that MVP form, especially in Coors Field. All that room out there, and you can hit, hit a 35 home run, no problem. So Chris Bryant is my X-Factor for the Rockies. I'm not going to go too much into him. It's hard to have an X-Factor when your team's not supposed to be good, but he's the one guy that can really bring excitement for the Rockies, in my opinion. Okay, that is all for today's episode. I appreciate you guys listening, and like I said, the next episode will be out Monday, so be ready for that one. Be ready for YouTube shorts, TikToks, Instagram, all that stuff. I'm going to start really getting active with this. Like I said, I'm sorry. I kind of took a month hiatus. I got like 
I had a lot of stuff going on. I wasn't home that much. I couldn't just sit down and record, to be honest. Um, check out. I'm going to have some quarterback stuff coming out soon for football. Maybe a baseball tier list. We'll see about that. But for now, this podcast will be guaranteed to you every Monday, every Friday, every single week from now until the end of the season. So I hope you guys come along on this ride with me. And uh, I appreciate you guys listening. And I will see you guys on Monday. Peace out. <laughs>